Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Talking Transfers, a brand new show from the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Harry Simeu from the Chronicles of Aguna podcast, 90 Min's transfer correspondent, Graham Bailey, and 90 Min's top cat, Toby Cudworth. How are we doing today, Graham? I'm doing great, thank you. Yeah, I'd like to take this opportunity. Wish my wife a very happy anniversary. 13 years until she made the best since she made the best decision of her life, obviously. But yeah, so will 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 your wife hear that uh, on this podcast today? Uh, she might if I play it. The kid, the kids like to put it onto YouTube. Like to see me yeah. for about 10 seconds before going off to play their computer games. <laughs> How are you doing, Toby? Oh, good. I'm just wondering, gee, did you um? Did you get married in the transfer window to kind of correlate with the season? When did you when did you do it? Uh, well, yeah, so it was, yeah, it, was it was on June twenty eighth, Tob. So that, it was. Oh yeah, 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 that's fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Transfer, transfer window is always open. Yeah, then, yeah. Yeah, 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 thirty years ago, I can't quite remember what was going on at the time, but yeah, um, I wasn't quite. Um, yeah, it was. It was more shift work back then. <laughs> Harry, how are you doing today, mate? Yeah, all good, mate. All good. Jesus is coming, so uh, gotta be pleased. Gotta yeah, be pleased. we'll talk. We'll talk about that in a bit. Gabriel Jesus has arrived in London as we record this to join Arsenal and to go a medical, all that kind of business. We'll talk. How happy is Harry? Because Arsenal are also looking at some other players as well. Please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms and follow us on Twitter too. At underscore Scott Saunders, at Harry Simeu, at Graham Bailey, and at Toby underscore Cudworth for the latest transfer news from us at 90min.com. This is a brand new weekly show. We'll dig into the latest on the features of the biggest names in world football, be it players or managers. And today we'll talk about Raheem Sterling, Gabby Jesus, as I've just mentioned there, Lisandro Martinez, uh, Manchester United's interest in Martinez and Anthony, as well as Frankie de Jong. We'll do some West Ham, Jesse Lingard, Josh Brownhill, Chelsea's interest in a number of defenders as well. We'll talk about uh, Todd Bowley and how he's settling in uh, to his new all-encompassing role at Chelsea since completing the takeover of the club. We'll talk Jed Spence, Nico Williams, Noni Madueke, and Fulham's potential new midfielder, Jao Palinha, among other players as well. But let's jump back to the Raheem Sterling saga. That's not really a saga, is it? it, it this one looks quite smooth, Graham. Uh, Raheem Sterling, obviously, he's out of contract in a year or so. I think not the only City player to be in that position. Uh, but he is looking for, I guess, first-team football, maybe a different challenge. I know that we've reported in the past that he would like to move abroad and test himself in perhaps Spain or something like this, but Chelsea have come to the forefront. But no decisions yet been made by Raheem Sterling, Graham. No, and in, indeed, in 2019, if we look back, as Lincoln, the story we've done, um, he was quoted as saying he, he envisages himself sitting somewhere in breakfast, 20 degrees, no worries about the weather. He has the ambition 20 to 20 degrees? So, well, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, it did say in the story. He has an ambition to eat in breakfast in lovely sunshine, etc. But he, want, he he does want to play abroad. You know, he, he and it's a long-held ambition. Obviously, Chelsea 
are the ones pushing this now that and they have made contact with Manchester City. City have said all along and we've reported this to the to the three forwards who are out of contract next season. Um here's us Sterling and Mares, that all three would be sold if they didn't sign. I'm not sure we and that came from City, a briefing from City. I'm not sure we believed it, but that is how it things are transpiring. You know, Sterling isn't hasn't made that decision yet. He's got the three options, as we say, Scott. He can sign a new deal at City. He can leave this summer, potentially to Chelsea or maybe a Barcelona. Or interesting, I think I think number three is doesn't really been given the time it deserves. He could stay put and leave on a free next summer. Now I think he is really considering this. You know, it's not a disrespect to City, but if he leaves this summer, who is who is the options for him? We know Chelsea want him. Todd Burley, who we spoke about, really likes him. Tuchel likes him. Tottenham like him. And Barcelona like him, but whether they can come with a deal, no, we've spoken about the politics of Barcelona. Very complicated situation. But if he's on a free transfer next summer, he really is going to have his pick of clubs next summer. So I think that's something we need to think about here. But he hasn't made his decision yet. It looks as if he is erring towards not signing a contract at City, which leaves us with, does he go this summer? Does he go next summer? A bit like a more salary as well. There's a lot of players going to be available in 2023. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how this one plays out. Again, it's a really interesting case of City seemingly willing to sell to a rival. They're selling Hazers to Arsenal. Um, they're probably happy to sell him as a centre-forward, but that's up, that's up to them. Um, and then, But letting Sterling go, I think, is a different level. I really do. I'm not. I'm not saying about Jesus. I love the fact he's going to try and play as a centre forward. Whether Arsenal are seen as huge rivals, I'm not so sure. But Chelsea are massive rivals to City. They could. They could, in theory, challenge them for the title. If you're allowing them to improve by selling them Sterling, I think a lot of City fans will raise their eyebrows at this and won't be 100% certain this is the right thing to do because I don't think it is. Toby, let's uh, let's get your thoughts on that because uh, it is a bit of a it's a bit of a weird one. You, I mean, but there's not too many clubs abroad who have the same financial might as, as, say, a Chelsea or, you know, the other Premier League clubs who are looking at, you know, Arsenal getting a new a massive transfer budget in comparison to previous years. Chelsea obviously have spent big in the past as well. Uh, but like Graham says, Chelsea have run City a lot closer in the last few years than, than Arsenal have. So maybe are considered a direct rival. Uh do you think this is smart from City? Uh, or do you think that they just need to recoup money now to, you know, sign other players? It's Man City we're talking about, isn't it? Well, it says a lot about Manchester City's confidence in themselves that they're willing to sell Sterling, Sterling to Chelsea, Jesus to Arsenal. They don't mind strengthening their rivals because that shows that they've got their own ambition in the transfer window. They've got ambition in what Pep's doing, rightly so, for Premier League titles in five years. City will keep spending, and I guess financial fair play is under the microscope more than ever. And City do need to bring some money in to be able to balance the books and continue making those signings. I think Raheem Sterling is grossly underappreciated, um, not necessarily by Manchester City. I think there's always been a very cordial relationship there, and Sterling's had a, a good relationship with Guardiola, even when he's been out of the team. But the wider perception of Sterling is that he's not top 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 level um but his numbers say otherwise he scored 25 goals in all competitions in 2018-19 he scored 31 goals in 2019-20 in all competitions which was more than any other city player including a 
pretty fit Sergio Aguero in that season. He's still got lots to offer. Um, he's only 27. Chelsea would undoubtedly improve with him on the wings. And it is a surprise that City would perhaps want to strengthen them because they are closer to being title rivals than, than Arsenal. I think that's clear. But Chelsea do have a huge rebuilding project to do. They need to strengthen defence, they need to strengthen midfield, and maybe City are looking at it thinking, even if we give them Sterling, they're not going to challenge us this year. And by the time they get in a position to challenge us, we're going to have strengthened again. So there is smart logic behind it. Do you think that's actually the case? I mean, I'm looking at Harry uh, there, and I know that we've spoken earlier this week about Chelsea on the 90 Min YouTube channel. Uh, I'm looking at the uh, the players Arsenal are signing, and I'm thinking, in comparison to Chelsea, you know, Arsenal have made a head start on their business. Jesus coming in. We'll talk about other targets shortly uh, in both defence and attack as well. Do you think... Chelsea are going to be way off the pace. And do you think Arsenal are potentially nipping ahead of them? I don't know that, that I can say that Arsenal are nipping ahead of them. I think that Arsenal... Graham's face doing, is uh, easy. <laughs> Arsenal are doing some good business, it looks like, this summer. But there's still a lot of deals that, that actually need to get over the line. You know, Gabriel Jesus, we think, is, is probably going to be announced in the next 24, 48 hours. Great. But, you know, other than that, we still need to do more business to close that gap, I think. Um, as for Chelsea, I still think they've got a top, top manager in Thomas Tuchel. And as much as I like Mikel Arteta and I've really enjoyed what he's done at Arsenal so far, you can't put him in the same category as Thomas Tuchel at this stage in his career. You've got an elite manager there and a club that, OK, they're going to be doing things a little bit differently, but I still think will have financial power uh, under Todd Bowley. I, I don't really agree with the way he's put himself into like the, the kind of key position to negotiate transfers and all of that stuff. I'm not really sure that's the way forward, but um, I don't expect Chelsea to fall away, as I said on the, the channel yesterday, as much as some people think. I still think they'll be there or thereabouts. And I think any talk of the likes of Arsenal or Spurs sort of leapfrogging them at this stage is still a bit premature, in my opinion. Graham, you, you, uh, you made a face at my suggestion. that <laughs> They only finished five points behind Chelsea last season. Yeah, but Chelsea went through an awful lot. I think I think Chelsea is still a level above Arsenal at the moment. Obviously, that's where Arsenal want to be, and that's why the sign hears us. Um, we're looking at Rafinha, etc. But no, Chelsea is still way way ahead. Chelsea, uh, Chelsea's target for next season is the title. Arsenal's isn't. Arsenal's the top four, uh, and that's the difference at the moment. Obviously, as Harry says, they're hoping to build. There is that difference between the managers. And we'll have to see how, how Chelsea are back. But Chelsea have got a lot of big targets here. If they land the ones they want, if they land then Bailey, Sterling, De Ligt will come on to later, um, Koundé, they've got Conor Gallagher coming back in. And, and, you know, if they get a full season out of Chilwell and James, for me, the best full-back, the wing-back pair in, in the world. So... I think I think Chelsea have been underestimated still. I think, I think that's a good thing. They're coming in, some people... Forget about what they went through with the owners and stuff, but from what I'm hearing, yeah, we'll come out of Todd Burley later. He, this owner's enjoyed himself and um, he's going to be getting a checkbook out. I think Chelsea might actually be in, in a like mini league of their own. I think they're vying for third by themselves because I think City and Liverpool are too good for Chelsea to, to match next season. But Chelsea are stronger than Arsenal, Spurs, even with Conte. United, we've got no idea what they're going to produce next year. Um, which, which, which United, Toby? Which one? 
Newcastle, Pro- West Ham? Probably Manchester, I think, another, <laughs> another year or two for Newcastle. West Ham will come on to. Um, but Chelsea have lost players, but they're still strong, aren't they? And as Harry alluded to, Thomas Tuchel has won the Champions League. He's done lots of good stuff in his career. He's a good coach. Um, he'll sort out whatever problems there might be there. It's Harry. his first real summer, isn't it? It's his first two Kello, going back to him, Scott. It's his first real summer of getting his targets, possibly. We saw Lukaku wasn't his signing, and that was their big one. This could be like the first real summer two Kello would argue that he's going to get his players in. It's a, it's a fair argument to have, but obviously he's seen the structure above him completely disintegrate uh, over the last even few weeks. Pet checks left now. Disintegrate uh, or, or taken away. I think Todd Burley did his work the same work. thing, right? <laughs> no, not really. The Chelsea bought, they could have kept them. They didn't want to keep them. Marina was showing the door at Chelsea. They knew what they were doing. They didn't like what the scene found out. So they were showing the door at Chelsea. Chelsea didn't want to keep them. So they've they've done their homework and made that move. That's the same point, though. Like Tuchel's got into a situation with completely different yeah. people that are there now. Uh, so, you know, he's going to... It'll be different for him next season, is all I'm saying. The one thing they don't have as well, Chelsea now don't have any experience, really, at board level in football. So it's all on Thomas Tuchel. If it goes wrong and their signings don't work out this summer, the fingers, the fingers sorry, is going to be pointed at him very quickly. Whereas last year, hmm. he could deflect away and say that Lukaku wasn't my signing. But who better, who better at Chelsea to Aston Tuchel? He's the best footballing man at the club. So I think if I was a Chelsea fan, I would I, I'm, I'm, I would be pleased that Todd Burley is asking Thomas Tuchel rather than Marino of who I should sign. We'll come back to Chelsea later in the show. Harry, I did want to come to you for more Arsenal chat. We've talked to Gabby Jesus already. We'll talk a couple of players in a minute. But first off, I want to get your thoughts and how excited for you about All or Nothing, the trailer. Dropping at 4 p.m. UK time today. <laughs> I'm gassed. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I, it's it's really hard to kind of know how to feel about those things, though, isn't it? Because you know that it is the version of events that ultimately the club want you to see, um, and the club have editorial sign off, as we've been told. So that kind of it kind of dilutes the the excitement a little bit. But yeah, I mean. I'm really interested to see if they do sort of give us a little bit more insight into some of the, the issues that took place, the Aubameyang stuff, because uh, there's been a lot of interesting stories develop at Arsenal over the last 12 months or so, and while the Amazon cameras have been following them. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I'll sit down, put my feet up and watch it, probably binge watch it. When's it actually out? Do we know? I've been told autumn, but no specific date. Not that I'm aware of anyway. Maybe they'll give it away in the trailer. I don't know. I'll definitely be binge-watching that as well. Uh, Arsenal seeming to binge on players in the transfer market. Spending a lot of money at the moment. Gabriel Jesus is coming in. Uh, we'll talk Rafinha to start with. Uh, obviously, Lissandra Martinez is on their radar as well. Uh, Harry, do you think do you think Arsenal have a chance here with Rafinha? We'll come to Graham in a, in a second about Barcelona's interest. I think they've got a chance. I don't think Arsenal would have gone as far as lodging an official bid for the player if they didn't think they had a chance. Um, you know, they may not be in pole position, as, as some people are telling us. I don't know. Um, Graham will probably be able to give us a little bit more on that. But I think Arsenal will tell you, and I think that when you look at it, it's quite clear that they've spent a lot of time leading up to this window making plans for it. You know, there's been no messing around this summer. And they've been linked with a, a certain group of players. And what we're seeing is that they've actually followed through in trying to get those players to the club. And in previous summers, we'd hear tons and tons of names. 
we wouldn't see much actual action. You know, the, the journalists that are kind of wired into Arsenal would, would be quiet at this stage of the window. And we'd see a little bit of movement maybe later on and often for players that we had no idea the club were interested in. But the Jesus thing's been rumbling on for a while. Looks like that's coming towards a conclusion. Rafinha's been rumbling on for a while. Lisandro Martinez has been going on for, what, a couple of weeks now since we first heard that of the initial interest. So it gives you confidence that Arsenal, if they are going as far, as I say, as making actual formal offers for players, They've at least had an indication that they stand a chance. I mean, Graham will probably be able to tell us more, particularly about Rafinha. Go for it. Yeah, Graham. yeah, the Rafinha one is interesting. Arsenal have been quite clever here. They they made a move quickly or put an offer on the table to put the money where the mouth was to try and say to Rafinha, look, we know you want to wait for Barcelona. We know you want to go there. We know Deco is trying to get you there. Deco's promised him at Xavi, basically. But this is the offer on the table. Sometimes you have to take the offer on the table, and that is from Arsenal at the moment. So Arsenal are very much in contention. It's always, especially with these players and their big egos, it's always it's nice to be loved and wanted, isn't it? And Rafinha can see that from Arsenal. Jesus is going in there. They're offering him first, te- first team games. He's going to slot in on that right-hand side for them, play with Jesus, his international colleague. It's a very tempting offer, and we know Rafinha does want to come to London. He was willing to move to West Ham in January. Um, and they're still interested. Tottenham and Chelsea are still sniffing around. But if he doesn't go to Barcelona, and I think he's going to give, from what I'm hearing, he's going to give Barcelona maybe another week. We'll hit July. Barcelona are going to do a lot of business in the coming days. And we'll soon find out whether Barcelona have actually got the money to do this deal. And I think the Dembele one's important as well. With we, We'll touch on that. They've tried to keep him. But I think Rafinha is the one who Deco is pushing. I think we'll know by this time next week whether he's going to go to Barcelona or Arsenal. But I think at the moment it does seem between those two. He, he does want he, he does want to go to Arsenal. Um, I, I've been told that he loves he loves Edu. He knows him as well. So I think he ticks an awful lot of boxes for Arsenal. And I think you know they could have sat and waited to get rid of Pepe. But you know, as Harry said, you got to get these deals done. You got to get them over the line. Having Jesus and Rafinha in in the first week in July would be a hugely positive step for Mikel Arteta. Are you optimistic on West Ham's chances of landing Rafinha, Toby? No, no, I'm not. Um, I think he'll go to Arsenal. That's my my gut feeling now. Graham saying Barcelona need to weigh out the finances. They can't afford anything, can they? Let's be honest. They've got to get Frankie de Jong out of there and I don't see Rafinha as their number one priority. They want Robert Lewandowski. They badly want Robert Lewandowski. He'll be number one. And there's no chance that they can stump up 50 million plus as well for Rafinha. So Deco can promise all he wants, but I think he's going to end up at Arsenal. Um, and they're talking to Angel de Maria as well, amazingly, Barcelona. That's such a, a car crash of a club. They're actually talking to him as well. So, And they're supposed to be on the verge of getting fixed as well. Or this is like the, the way that they're promoting themselves. I saw somebody tweet the other day, I think it was somebody from the Spanish press, maybe Catalan-based, uh, that they want Robert Lewandowski to be the center centerpiece of this new project, this new Barcelona. What a 34, 33, 34 year old player who's massively expensive. That's that's the same Barcelona <laughs> a few years ago, isn't it? Christian Sinkesi stood sat there going, Can we please have our contract sanctioned, please, whilst uh, you do all this? <laughs> have you seen one of the main reasons why they're so financially crippled is that their previous president, um, Bartomeu, was it? I can't remember how you say his mm. name, but he said the Camp New Red renovations were going to cost ballpark 600 million euros it's actually closer to one and a half billion which is 
quite a difference. Um, and Juan Laporta is kind of the lesser of two evils, isn't he? He's, I wouldn't say financially compliant necessarily, but he's nowhere near as bad as the previous regime. Um, but yeah, if you've got to spend an extra 900 million on upgrading your stadium or just to pay for it, you're not going to be able to bring in many players, are you? It's just some of, the deals, some of the deals they did, though, isn't it? Like when them titty I read, or we learned was over two hundred and fifty thousand pound a week. You know, what car, who who gives that as a player like that that sort of money? It's ridiculous. <laughs> Harry, so opt- yeah. optimistic then. Barcelona aren't exactly in a great position, so we'll see. Yeah, I am. I am optimistic that if we if we do it quickly, like stop messing around, like we know what leads is prices. Let's get closer to it than where we are currently. If we do that, then I'm optimistic that we can do it. And I think you're going to learn a lot about how much Arsenal want the player based on whether they do sort of meet Leeds United's demands. I I still think that they'll meet somewhere in between. I don't think they'll get £65 million for him. I think there'll be some kind of offer in between, maybe 50, maybe 55, plus some add-ons. I don't know, but I think there will be some form of compromise. Because I read the other day that Deco had obviously gone and told Barcelona that that Rafinha was doable for something like 35 million euros and Leeds just laughed that off. And, you know, that shows you that although we're not quite where, where Leeds want us to be in terms of valuation, Barcelona have got an awful long way to go. And even if they make an offer Barcelona, can they follow it through based on all the things we've just discussed? Who knows? I, I think that if Arsenal keep their foot on the gas with this one, they could get it over the line. And, um, and what an addition that would be. We'd have ultimately really boosted our attack with about, you know, roughly around about a hundred million pounds, which this day and age, to add a winger that's going to get you double figures probably and a striker that will probably get you double figures on top of the Sackers, the Smith Rose, the Martinelli's, the Odegaards, and all of that, I think we'd be the in the Vieira's hurry. That's the thing. Where where is I did, is Nassau finding a bit thinking that Arsenal are accepting that they are not going to be able to really match Saka's ambitions so they sort of replace him but that's a healthy thing isn't it you're not you're not sitting there and pleading with Saka if, if 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 he wants to go you have to replace him so it's quite a healthy thing as well isn't it yeah it is and I think you know we've we've heard over the last few days that the talks with William Saliba over a new contract are moving quite well um we've also been told and again Graham might have better information on this we've also been told that Saka's people are, you know, watching the window and and have been quite pleased by what they've seen and could potentially sit down with Arsenal sooner rather than later as well. And I think these moves that Arsenal are making, not only do they improve the team, but they also give you a better chance of keeping hold of these young talents because they can see that at least as a club, you're making a conscientious effort to close the gap on those that you want to be sort of leapfrogging. So I'm pleased with what's happening so far. But as I said right at the start, this biz, all this talk means nothing if we don't get these deals over the line. So it's still a nervous few weeks to come. Are you are you surprised though, Harry? Obviously, Arsenal's last few transfer windows have been, you know, I know they spent a lot last year, but the the classic story has been, you know, Arsenal aren't really going to spend that big. Is this above expectations? Obviously, we'll talk about. Feel free to bring in Lisandro Martinez' interest here as well, because we know that Arsenal are interested in bringing him in from Ajax too. Yeah, we and we've heard today, well, we, we heard it a couple of days ago, but it's sort of being put out by more people now. Um, the Athletic have just mentioned it as well, that Arsenal have gone in with another bid for Lissandro Martinez, which is worth €40 million Euros plus add-ons. The first one was said to be €35 million Euros plus add-ons. So Arsenal uh, moving in that sense as well. But it is a bit of a surprise because 
as you say, look, last summer, Arsenal spent a lot of money, but they spent it on a lot of players. It wasn't like, you know, there wasn't three or four 50, 60 million pound players. I think Ben White was probably the highest in terms of what we spent on an individual player. But when you averaged it all out in terms of what we'd spent and the number of players we bought in, it was about 25 million a player last season, which when you think about it that way, isn't that dramatic. But then we were told by Edu after that dreadful opening three weeks of the season that the plan was to do all the heavy lifting last summer to clear the decks when January came and that this summer we would go big again on less players, but players of a higher calibre. So we are surprised because as Arsenal fans, we we didn't think this was going to happen maybe, or there was that reservation in our minds. But actually, we shouldn't be surprised because Arsenal have been quite clear in outlining what the plan is going to be over the next couple of years. And all they're doing ultimately is executing what they told us they were going to do. So you shouldn't be surprised, but as Arsenal fans, we're scarred. Um, and that's going to take a lot, uh, a lot of time to sort of disappear completely. So, yeah, I'm, I'm positively surprised is where I am at the moment. Of course, Graham, we have also reported about Arsenal's bid for Lisandro Martinez. Uh, we put that in a piece yesterday around Manchester United's interest in the player as well. Uh, you know, United are looking for a centre half. Obviously, Urian Timber has been on their radar. For a little while, but it does seem as though United have switched their attention and probably amid a bit of interest from Arsenal in Lisandro Martinez as well. Uh, they are looking for a centre-half. Timber is off the table by the looks of it. Pau Torres is always still in the mix, isn't he, around United? But maybe that's one for later on in the summer. Uh, but we've uh, obviously reported on nightmin.com of United's interest in Martinez and they're also, they've also held talks with Ajax about Anthony as well. We've... Uh, reported since about February, March time that United, even before Eric Ten Hag was appointed, that United wanted Anthony and see him as a potential answer on the right-hand side of their attack. You can catch this on nightmin.com, as I've said. But uh, do you do you feel like... Well, we obviously we know that um, we've reported in this piece as well that both Lisandro Martinez and Anthony have effectively told Ajax that they'd like to leave. Uh, what do you rate United's chances are of getting both of them? I, th- I think it's an interesting one. I think Martinez, United have reacted to Arsenal here. You know, Arsenal have gone in for him. As Harry said, a little bit surprising considering they've got Saliba coming back. I do wonder where Saliba's contract is is signed and then he moves straight back to Marseille. Um, I still think that might be might be what's on the cards at Arsenal because I, I don't think Saliba will come back to play a second string um, to what's already at Arsenal, so I think sleep is an interesting one to keep an eye on, um, especially if Martinez goes in there. I do wonder whether Arsenal may look at Martinez as a holding midfielder because I say for all the, what they've done, I still think they, they're desperately lacking a something a high quality midfielder in there. El Nenny, Lukonga, Zaka, you no, know, three of them between them don't make up a quality player. So I think they're really lacking in there. So I do wonder if Martinez, I do wonder if Martinez, I've seen him, I think he could be. I think I wouldn't rule him out being that holding midfielder that looking at. I think he's a high quality performer. He loves to tackle. And him sitting there would allow, you know, the rest of that Arsenal team, which is going to be so fascinating going forward. I do wonder if they are really looking for that real proper holding midfielder and which Martinez could be. Um and again we don't know we don't know Manchester United's role for him. Um because as we've said often off off air as well, Scott, we're fascinated to see what United's formation is going to be. And I have been told recently last few days that the young 
De Jong will adopt the holding midfield role for United, which I find fascinating. Um, and then, because we did as well talk about Bruno Fernandes, didn't we, Scott? Of so that would leave room for Fernandes and a and a Donny Van Beek and De Jong midfield triangle, which could be very interesting. Um, I, the smirking your face tells me exactly what you think of that, Scott. It's an interesting one, but um, do you think it's a, it's a quarterback role similar to what we've discussed for Paul Pogba in the past? Yeah, very much, very much the Perlo role. You know, not just a water carrier, but that quarterback role. It's a role he had at Ajax, and you would imagine that's the role he's looking for there. You know, it's not the sort of role that he's he's enjoyed at Barcelona because Busquets had that role very much as me. What I look at Martinez. So I think United are probably looking at Martinez as a defender more so. So, yeah, I don't know. I'd still put Arsenal in pole position for Martinez because I think United potentially may may prefer Paul Torres anyway. So, but, but the Anthony one is different. The Anthony one, he is pushing to get out. As we've said before, he can see his Brazilian rivals for this right-hand side spot or for a forward spot in this World Cup squad. Jesus is going to Arsenal. Rafinha is going to go to a big club, probably Arsenal. Richarlison, possibly Tottenham. You know, so he might be left at the station. You know, if he's playing every week for Ajax, whilst these other three are, are doing it for in the Premier League, that he's in he'd be in danger of not quite getting in the Brazil squad. So that is a big consideration for him. And he knows United want him. And he got a strike while in hot. He wants to go to United, he wants to play for Ten Hag. I think of those two, Anthony's more likely than Martinez. Yeah, I would uh, I would agree with that. Obviously, we've reported this and you can catch that story on nightmin.com went up on Tuesday night. Uh I think that well, we know that obviously Ajax have sold players already this year, which mm. means that they can probably hold out for a bigger price. But uh, Anthony's willingness to kind of make this deal happen might make the difference down the line. But obviously, we're, I think, still quite early at the moment. But obviously, we know that United are getting closer, edging, crawling closer to a Frankie de Jong transfer agreement. We're not there yet as we record this, uh, but I kind of said out loud this morning that I think he'll be on the flight on the preseason tour. So I've kind of uh, nailed myself to that now. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with Frankie de Jong. But obviously, uh, that's been in the works for a while. Talking of Manchester United players or former Manchester United players, Toby, Jesse Lingard and West Ham. Is it back on the agenda? We, uh, You mentioned the word saga at the very start of the show. Raheem Sterling isn't a saga, but Jesse Lingard is it's one of those that hasn't gone away for months and months and months. And it's still on West Ham's agenda. It's still on David Moyes' agenda. He is the one pushing for West Ham to, to make this deal happen. Uh, Lingard's a free agent in three days' time. He had a great loan spell. We all know that. Newcastle have backed away um, to pursue other targets. So I think Lingard is still on their radar, but he's not somebody that they're thinking about right now. There is interest from abroad, but Jesse Lingard wants high wages. He was on good money at Manchester United. His people will want a decent signing on fee as well. There's agents' fees to consider. So a move abroad is probably looking off the cards as well, which doesn't leave Lingard with too many options other than West Ham. Um, it's whether or not the West Ham hierarchy are prepared to, to go for a player who is clearly unsure about what he wants to do but David Moyes really wants to bring him in and we've said Arsenal are operating smartly in this transfer window West Ham to date are as well they've got a lot of excuse the pun irons in the fire 
Um, but oh, Ari, Toby, hey. get off. No. Ari, <laughs> thank you. Ariola signed yesterday on a permanent deal, on a five-year deal. He will be West Ham's long-term number one goalkeeper. Graham's not so sure about Ariola's ability and the wages that West Ham are paying him, but he's taken a cut to come on a permanent move from PSG. Um, and they're also looking to strengthen wide areas in, in central midfield. Josh Brownhill was one name that's come up time and time again for us at 90 Men, and we've reported on West Ham's interest. We still think that interest is there from West Ham. They will push ahead to try and sign him, but competition um, emerging from Southampton, they're looking to strengthen their own midfield to play alongside James Ward-Prowse, who is another West Ham target, but he will be very difficult to get out of St Mary's this summer. He signed a new contract last year. His wages are probably 100,000 circle or more. He's worth a lot of money. He's probably worth too much money for West Ham to go after. But Jesse Lingard is one we anticipate happening. It's just a question of when, Graham. Yeah, it's an interesting one. West Ham seems to be leading leading the chase in England. There is interest from abroad. Um, we know AC Milan are one of those, but the money on offer abroad is isn't isn't quite there you know they've missed out on spend botman to newcastle not really money related but it's to do with their takeover etc um that has halted their progress and even it stopped them getting renato sanchez as well which maybe why they may, might turn to jesse lingard not sanchez by the way going to psg with uh, louis campos has jumped on that deal which um has um uh, come to pass. So Milan have missed out on some big ones. So Lingard may have been an option for them. I, I do wonder whether Roma might get involved in this as well. I think there's a few clubs who could get involved, but in England, um, yeah, David Moyes, as you say, Toby, he wants him. I, I could see this how I could see this happening. I think Lingard moving to London, three-year deal. I think it suits all parties. Does it make West Ham stronger? I think it does in terms of squad depth. You know, I, I don't think it necessarily start, improves the starting eleven because we look. Hey, Jared Bowen's one, one of the best wide forwards in the Premier League, but I think it gives them options. And as we saw towards the end of last season, as Toby knows, they, they lost their legs a bit, didn't you, in, in Europe, Toby? So I think having someone like Jesse Lingard in there uh, will help. And Jesse Lingard's going there, thinking he can make the flight to Qatar. Um, so he'll be one of the players who's very happy about FIFA extending to twenty-six man squads because I think it does give someone like him a chance. I think the thing with Lingard is if he does go back to West Ham, it's the left flank that is still the primary problem for West Ham. side. So Ben Rama is good in flashes, but he's also anonymous in other games. Pablo Fornals can go out there, but he's better in the centre of the park. Um, and as you say, squad depth is the one thing that West Ham need. And if Lingard does come in, fully anticipate another three or four players joining him to actually give West Ham an opportunity to challenged properly for the top six but they'll feel like they can win the Europa Conference League based on what they did in the Europa League last year and based on what they saw from Leicester in the Conference League it's it's a competitive competition but West Ham have got a good squad they just need more bodies to be able to get through a long draining season. Toby could you just talk us through the story from a few days ago uh, surrounding Declan Rice and interest from Chelsea? Yeah so we've touched on Todd Bowley's involvement in Chelsea's transfers and the fact that he's kind of steering the ship now away from Marina, who is leaving Chelsea at the end of the transfer window. And one of the, the players that has always been on Chelsea's radar is Declan Rice, who they 
let go all those years ago on the free transfer to join West Ham's academy. We understand 90 minutes that Chelsea made contact with West Ham at the back end of last week to say, is there the chance of doing a deal this summer? They were given short shrift by West Ham, who maintained their stance that Declan Rice is not for sale. West Ham are confident that they can agree a new deal with Rice. Um, many people believe that Rice won't commit his future to West Ham. He's got two years left on his current contracts. There's another year that can be tagged on. West Ham can trigger an option. But there could be a release clause involved in that contract. It's not off the table. It was once upon a time, but West Ham are still hopeful that Rice could be sold by the project on offer at London Stadium. And this summer's transfer activity will play a huge role in convincing Declan Rice that West Ham are going places and they can perhaps match his trophy ambition. But Chelsea wants him, Todd Bowley wants him, and Rice is kind of up there with Raheem Sterling, Usman Dembele in terms of top-range players, and it shows the kind of player that Chelsea do want to bring in. Um, just before we dig into Chelsea's defensive options, Harry, uh, I obviously know your thoughts and opinions on Calvin Phillips, mm. uh, who has uh, moved to Man City or is on the verge of moving to Man City from Leeds United. His midfield partner, Declan Rice, how highly do you rate him? Much higher Bring than him. Calvin Phillips. <laughs> Um, to put it simply, I think he's a much better player than Calvin Phillips. I think he brings you much more. I think he can do that defensive role if he needs to, but he's also added the ability to get further up the pitch uh, more recently and impact the game that way as well. I, maybe I didn't watch enough of him before, but I really sort of picked up on that last season. I really sort of noticed that he'd made a much more conscious effort to get involved and, and carry the ball up and be a driving force for West Ham. So I think he's on a different level. I think he's a, a much better player um, than Calvin Phillips. That's my opinion. As as you know, Scott, um, I once said that Calvin Phillips would never be signed by any of the big four. Um, and I ended up having to pay out on a bet the other day, which is fine. Uh, it was to a good cause. But the point is that I was surprised by Manchester City going after Calvin Phillips and I guess ultimately it comes down to, and I know money's not really an issue for City, but it comes down to the fact that Calvin Phillips is at Leeds United, who financially aren't as strong as West Ham currently, and, you know, can't resist that type of offer. Whereas West Ham United, you feel, given what they're doing in the transfer market, that, you know, they're in a, a much better position to be able to keep the Wolves at bay, in this case, Chelsea, when it comes to Declan Rice. I do wonder though, and, Toby probably won't like me saying this. When the point comes that Declan Rice maybe goes, I don't know if I if I I can wait for this to kind of build and and develop into what it needs to be. Um, that's not to criticise West Ham, but when you look at how successful Chelsea have been over the last two decades, you'd feel that there's an opportunity there, maybe as a player to go on and elevate your career. So. I'm not worried about West Ham and the way they dig their heels in and the way they go about it, because I think they'll be quite strong. But it's it's when it gets to that point that Declan Rice has his head turned that you've got a problem. I'll be honest, Harry, I thought that was coming this summer. But we then got to the Europa semi-finals last year and I think that changed things. Um, we'd come sixth the year before and that was kind of seen as a, a bit of a fluke, maybe by, by some. But to come seventh and get to the semi-final without really improving your squad, and that's essentially what West Ham did, has maybe shown that there is a little bit of manoeuvrability with the players that West Ham have got. They just need to do a bit more investing. And 
two signings are in already, as we've already touched on, four or five hopefully will follow. I'm under no illusion that Declan Rice will leave at some point for the good of his career. He can play for any club in the world. And I don't think any play spoke about his game development, Harry. I don't think any midfielder carried the ball for further than Declan Rice in terms of yards covered. And we saw him break out of defensive midfield. It's those 10, 15 yards bursts that he's added to his game that he used to look for the short, simple pass and just ensure that he didn't give possession away and protecting the ball. But now he is very much forward thinking and that will appeal to, to Chelsea. And I still think Manchester City would look at him in 12, 18 months time and think, yeah, we could probably bring him in as well because I'm in your boat, Harry. I don't think Calvin Phillips is at City as anything more than a, a squad player, really. It sounds harsh, but I don't see him starting more than 25, 30 games. He's just there to ensure City have got depth. I'm just, I'm Graham, just here. Graham's not sure, is he? I'm just, we'll, we'll move on. We've got to move on in a second. I'm just here hoping that United manage to get themselves in order and they can end up... West Ham, you know, push Chelsea's interest aside, give it another year, and United get a dream midfield double pivot of De Jong and Declan Rice. I think that would uh, that would sort them out for a good ten years. Where are you going to put Jude Bellingham, though, Scott? Apparently, he's going to Liverpool. Apparently, uh, this is what what my social media is telling me. But yeah, we'll, we'll make room for him as well. Never mind Jude uh, can, Bellingham. Can, what about Scott McTominay? Where's he going to go? Can I just make one point on Calvin Phillips? By the way, guys, he adds something to that City midfield, which you saw in the Champions League semi-final. They don't have. He adds some real grit and steel. He's a wonderful person. I know Calvin, and he will surprise you next season. He will be. He, he gives something City to that squad that they don't have at the minute. There you have it. Uh, let's let's move on to uh, Chelsea's defence. Obviously, we spoke about Declan Rice there. There is interest there, uh, released by Chelsea as a youngster. Declan Rice, obviously, in the interest has remained from Chelsea over the last few years. Uh, but they're also looking at upgrading their defence, Graham. Uh, we've reported on interest in Jules Koundé down the last few months. There's been reports of interest in Matthias De Ligt over the last few days. But they also have been linked tenuously with... Uh, other players as well. Nathan Ake is on the list, uh, depending on where you read. Uh, Levi Colwell is a player who I know you rate highly, Graham, who has been on loan that could come back in. Uh, but just talk us through what they're planning at centre-half. It's an interesting one because that, as we talked about United and what system they're going to adopt, I think it's a huge thing with Chelsea. The Tuchel, I know, is being pushed by members of his coaching staff to adopt a back four which will then allow the midfield to maybe the introduction of Conor Gallagher or another or Mason Mount to drop back. We don't know whether they're going to stick with our back three or not. So that's a huge thing for them. In terms of, yeah, Koundé is still a target. You know, he, he is the one that one talks to Civil like going, great. Personal terms are all but agreed. They have been for a while. Koundé still wants to go there. We reported his people are slightly agitated by Chelsea not getting this one over the line. I still think he'll end up there. Matthias De Ligt is one where I think Todd Ball in his role, he's been looking around Europe, find out who the big best defenders are. And De Ligt's name has come about. So he's in this new role. He's not frightened to pick up the phone to anyone. And, you know, he's um, he's picked up the phone to Juventus and asked about him. Um, what we do know and what we've reported, Juventus don't want to sell. As simple as that. Allegri doesn't want to sell. That doesn't mean that he's not available. You know, Rafaela Pimenta, the um, lawyer who's taken on a lot of um, many Raiola's um, 
Features clients. heavily in the Pogmentary, if you've seen it. <laughs> I haven't, but yeah, she, so she she was actually, well, it's funny you mentioned Pogba. She was talking to Juventus a lot about Paul Pogba. He's about to sign a permanent deal there. And then part of the conversation she had after was about Delict. Delict wants a new contract. I, I think we, we need to be careful with Delict here, not to get carried away. A lot of the basis of this whole Delict conversation is that he wants a new contract out of Juventus. He's got two years left on his deal. He's got no power whatsoever in this. You know, I think he's done a good job or she's done a good job in getting Todd Burley to register an interest. That helps with the contract negotiations as well. I I do wonder whether it finishes this summer with him signing a new deal. If not, Chelsea do want him. They're willing to pay. I think Juventus, from what I'm told, would do business at 100 million euros. Roughly, we're getting to know this at the moment, aren't we? About 80 million pounds at the minute is changing all the time. It's about 80 million pounds. That would make him the costiest defender this deal in in history above harry Maguire. let's not mention his name too much um it's remarkable isn't it that harry Maguire is still the most expensive defender but is delict worth that that's the thing i think a lot of chelsea insiders uh, are speaking to todd burley about if we are going to bring in the costliest defender in the world should it be matthias delict i am not sure they're convinced by that but todd burley is his own man i've heard a lot of fun stories already He's ringing round owners, doing deals. Let's do trades. We're seeing, we, we've seen what Zinchenko, um, Nathan Aki, who they have asked about, three or four players. You know, and when I'm saying trades, he's not just wanting a deal or two. He's thinking these baseball type trades. He's thinking about four or five players in trades here. He really is, and it's just unheard of. And it sounds a whole lot of fun to me. He's really loving life, getting involved. He's willing to spend money. Will that be to the detriment of Chelsea? I don't think it will be to the detriment, but it's going to be fun watching them get some of these deals done. Delict, yeah, I have my suspicions that he might be using this to get his new contract out of Juventus, personally. I think that's where it's heading. But they will get over centre-half. I think Koundé is what I look at. Koulibaly, I wouldn't rule out either. Um, and an interesting defender as well with Chelsea, who I think we will hear about in the coming week, Gelson Bremer, the Torino defender, who... Is a really interesting character. It's emerging, really, from what I'm speaking to scouts and people in the game. And Inter, we're trying to get this guy. Inter think he's an upgrade on Skriniar and um, Bastoni. Um, and they think he's the best defender in Italy. He actually is going to play for it. He's going to, He's not going to get a cap off Brazil. He's going to play for Italy. Keep an eye on this guy. I think Chelsea are in for him as well. I think Tottenham are looking at him. Tottenham who are looking at Lengelt from, from Barcelona on loan. Yeah, another Barcelona deal to be done. But keep an eye on him. I think he's one that we may hear about in the coming weeks that an awful lot of teams are looking at. But yeah, Chelsea do want centre-halves. But as I say, Scott, it depends whether they're looking at a, th- a three, a back three or a back four. I think with Thiago Silva in there, I think Tuchel is a bit reticent to put him in a four for good reason. I couldn't see that working really. Uh, no, he's probably he's got a turn circle similar to me, I think. So, no, I don't think that's um, <laughs> advisable. And Rudiger, I think, you know, Rudiger was getting some Chelsea fans were saying to me how good Thiago Silva was um, in comparison to Rudiger. I know a lot of the guys in that minute office were conned by Thiago Silva last year. You'll see how much of a miss Rudiger is this year if they go with a back four and Thiago Silva. Well, Chelsea are streets ahead of Arsenal, and you know they've got a lot of signings to do, as as you're saying, Graham. So uh, I think I'm going to put Arsenal defense, ahead of Chelsea yeah. in my predictions this season. But I think, but but I, the way I see it, obviously they've got for me one of the best keepers in the world in Mendy. He's proven that they've got the best wing back combination in world football in Reese James and Ben Chilwell for me. 
So I think they're only a couple of signs away, but they are very big signings, as we've seen, you know, the striker, the centre-half, maybe midfield, depends on the formation, you know, Gallagher and Mount could be a wonderful combination. So they do need to get it. It's, they're only a couple of signs away, but they have to get them right. Thiago Silva quickly um, showed us how vulnerable he can be against Brentford. When Brentford scored four, he was awful that day. And I think they played a back four on that day. And that showed that they cannot do that going forward with him. But all the Chelsea fans were quick to go to Rudiger. They were blaming Rudiger for that, weren't they? And um, it's, yeah, it's, I think, I think Tuchel knows, to be honest. I think Thomas Tuchel knows what the issues are. Let's, uh, let's switch up, Graham, to a PSV English winger, Nani Madweke, who is in huge demand in the Premier League and looks to be potentially on his way out of PSV, potentially to come back to England. There's a number of clubs who have looked at him. What can you tell us? Yeah, it's a really interesting talent. This one. We've got PSV, a lot of PSV players being linked, Cody Gakpo, Sangari, a lot of being linked, but I'm told that Madweke is one attracting the real interest here. And I know that Gareth Southgate's been keeping his eye on this player. He's had a very successful couple of years. He came actually from Palace to Tottenham, Barnet born, so he is fully English. Um, he, he went to PSV as a youngster, came to the youth squad. He's, played, he's now part of the first team who pushed, and let's remember this PSV team pushed this Ajax team all the way. And this Ajax team has been decimated now. <laughs> it's been so impressive. They're getting decimated, aren't they? But PSV. Yeah, and there's a lot of interest in England. Leicester like this guy a lot. But there's a lot of teams. Everton, Newcastle, Leeds. I'm told Arsenal have had a look at him at some point as well over the past 12 months. In fact, most of the big six have all scouted him at some point, as you would expect. You know, there's a good English player in the Dutch League. Why wouldn't I think he was at Tottenham in his youth days? Yeah, he was, yeah. So, yeah. This is one to keep an eye on. I think this guy is going to come to England. Let's see where he goes. It wouldn't. I've got likes of Leicester, Newcastle, Wolves, Everton, Leeds. It wouldn't surprise me if one of the top four sneakily came in and took this guy, and then maybe loaned him out. So Nani Madweki, we haven't seen much of him. I must admit, I've only seen him in fits and starts. But yeah, let's keep an eye on him. He could be a big move for someone. Uh, let's move on quickly to uh, look around. Some newly promoted teams, perhaps. We'll do a little analysis of how they're looking and shaping up ahead of the new season. Nottingham Forest obviously won the playoff final uh, and have a fullback, Jed Spence, who has been linked with Tottenham uh, quite no, he's frequently. A he's a Middlesbrough fullback, Scott. Yes, sorry. I was, uh, I'm was. i trying to think on my feet here. Middlesbrough fullback, but he was there on loan. Spurs have been interested in him. But there's been some suggestions that Forrest won't get him back uh, with Spurs interested in him. But they have been looking at potentially Nico Williams, who I'm a big fan of. Uh, Liverpool uh, played for Fulham. Is Am I getting this right, Graham? I've got it in the notes here because Fulham had Nico Williams as well. A, a yeah. Forrest rivaling... Fulham for Nico Williams. Yeah, so Jed Spence, he on loan at Middlesbrough um, at Forest because we've got a better one, Isaiah Jones, back at Middlesbrough anyway. Um, but Jed Spence, he was brilliant for Forest. Tottenham have come in there and I think Tottenham are trying to low ball Middlesbrough really, you know, they're trying to put him off. Forest are desperate to get him back and they have been. But Forest knew that Tottenham win the jams it. So Tottenham looked at other options, one of which was Nico Williams, who Fulham wanted. So, you know, it appeared that Fulham were then looking at other options themselves. Now, Tottenham have told Middlesbrough now that they are willing to back away from this. Tottenham, who, remember, Adama Traore still out there? They tried to sign Adama Traore in January. They actually agreed terms, didn't they? They were, they were, everyone forgets how close they were to getting Adama Traore. 
And for me, I still think it might be a better option for Antonio Conte. I'd love to see, I'd love to see a Tamatrara and Antonio Conte team. I think that'd be spectacular. So Tottenham are threatening to pull out with this deal. They're threatening to back away. If they do back away, I think you will see Nottingham Forest come back in for him. Forest are willing to pay 15 million for him. And then it opens up the door for Nico Williams and to return to Craven Cottage with Fulham squad, because I think Nico Williams will be a Premier League player next year, next season. It just depends who. A wonderfully talented boy, as you know. Um, so, yeah, want to keep in mind, this, this domino of Spence, depending where he goes, it will, will impact likely on where Nico Williams ends up. Forrest have, of course, broken their transfer record in the last few days. Fulham have also are also on the verge of signing another player, João Palinha from Sporting Lisbon, Sporting CP. The Sporting CP is the right way to say it, isn't it, Toby? Sporting Club de Portugal, not Sporting Lisbon, uh, in case you're listening to this. Not Sporting Lisbon, not Inter Milan. We were having this conversation yesterday, weren't we, how we kind of colloquialise names for English pronunciation. Bayern Munich, yeah, we have to say FC Bayern from now on. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, the indeed. Inter Milan one gets on my nerves the most. That's the one for me. It's like, come on. Internazionale. Yeah, yeah, actually but, making but, it more difficult. But Harry, by we, don't, Milan we, we, don't, we don't say FC Bayern, no, do we? So we have to, where do we stop? You just drop the FC, right? Yeah, but just drop yeah. the FC. That's a, everybody has FC. You should be it. shortening stuff to make it easier, not adding words like Milan on the end of Inter. <laughs> that, that to me doesn't make sense, but I can't get my head around it. Obviously, there, uh, you know. Bit of chaos to end to end the show. There's a lot of uh, right back potential uh, movement going on with a number of different players that we've run through there. The promoted teams are trying to do their business to keep themselves in the Premier League in their first year. We've also spoken about Chelsea today. We've spoken about Arsenal, their business, Raheem Sterling as well. Bit of West Ham, bit of Man United, who look to be edging closer to signing Frankie De Jong. Hopefully, by the time we do a next another show, there'll be something concrete and something that we'll be able to tell you in the meantime about Frankie de Jong moving to United. I know as a host of the show and as a United fan that I'm hoping that that one gets done as soon as possible. Uh, but please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms and follow us on Twitter too. This has been Talking Transfers. We are at underscore Scott Saunders, at Harry Simu, at Graham Bailey, and at Toby underscore Cudworth. Thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you very soon. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.